This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello and welcome to Savor, a production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about MREs. Yes, the MRE. The meal ready to eat. Meal, comma, ready to eat. I'm yes. really entertained by the comma. Yeah, I like the comma too. That's a nice, nice touch. Mm-hmm. And I have had some of these courtesy of a friend. Oh, yeah. Um, and they're about what you would expect. Okay. I would say. Are they the like civilian version or did you get the, ooh, you got yeah. the actual military version? And like allegedly is that doing the research, it seems like that might not have should happened, but it did happen. But it did. And I will not say <laughs> who is the person <laughs> and do not try to figure it out. Oh. Well, I, I wasn't going to, to be super honest. Yeah. I mean, I didn't think so, but I just had to okay. put that very stern oh, warning. no. Yes, no. Very, very important. Um, very. And I, I have not had one of these. Yeah. I mean, ha, ha, not even a civilian one? Not even a civilian one. Uh, ben Bolin is like a little bit obsessed with them. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so I think at some point we were going to try one on snack stuff, but we never got it together to order them. Mm-hmm. Well, there is still time. There, there is always time. <laughs> yes. They last for up to three years. Wow. Oh, every time I do that, I think of Owen Wilson because coworker Chandler, <laughs> he always makes fun of me when I say that. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> this brings us to our question. MREs. 
Well, an MRE is a modern version of military food and drink rations for deployed service members. They come in pouches and contain a meal plus usually a number of drink flavorings and snacks meant to provide up to a day's worth of nutrition. Wow. In a single little packet. Mm-hmm. These days, MREs have several requirements. Long-lasting, can survive a variety of weather conditions, and being parachuted in. Light, as flavorful as possible, the right amount of calories and nutrients, or approximately. Able to be eaten cold or come with a way to heat it. And by parachuted in, by the way, that's up to 1,200 feet. Or airdropped from a helicopter, no parachute, up to 100 feet, which is um, uh, 366 meters or 30 meters, respectively. Oof. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Here in the U.S., in order to figure out how to make this happen, we've got a combat feeding directorate, which is part of a number of research teams within the Massachusetts Natick Soldier Research Development and Engineering Center. Yes. Wow. It's in a town called Natick. Gosh. Yeah. Um, and they have their work cut out for them, y'all. Um, preserving food tends to mess with the flavors and textures and simultaneously destroy some of the nutrients in it. So coming up with something that is well-preserved and also, you know, that anyone would still want to eat. Yeah. 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 We touched on that a little bit in our space food. Right. Absolutely. And a lot of the research that has gone into creating military MREs has also gone towards the space program. It's a lot of very similar teams. Mm-hmm. Um, there is also those side industry of technology that's compatible with military vehicles, but not necessarily developed by the military that can be used to like heat or chill water and a number of MREs simultaneously, essentially like a crock pot that you can just plug right into your tank. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's a fun image. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very militaristic little crock pot. I like it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nutrition-wise, MREs are carefully balanced for recommended intakes of macronutrients, your your fat, protein, carbs, possibly fiber. A lot of them are pretty light on fiber, though. Um, And also micronutrients, your vitamins and minerals and stuff. And these things will fill you up and keep you going. They are designed to do that thing. They do tend to have higher than the recommended intake of sodium. But, you know. As do a lot of things. As do a lot of packaged and preserved foods, yes. Yes. Um, The number of calories per pack depends on the recommended intake for the particular deployment situation. In the U.S., the the meals are set at around 1,200 calories, and sometimes the whole pouch can contain about 3,600 calories in total, all the snacks included. There are supplements for extreme conditions, though. Um, I read that Afghanistan MREs may contain a supplement to put them at 4,600 calories due to the uh, rigor of working in all that heat. And yes, that's a lot. Military personnel move around a bunch. Yeah. Carry heavy packs, do stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Athleticism. Mm -hmm. Athleticism, yes. Uh, There are currently 24 options of MREs in the U.S., ranging from pork rib and clam chowder to beef patty and nacho cheese pretzels. As of 2015, the U.S. military was buying 36 million MREs every year. From one story I read, depending on the army, the quality of the MRE or the that, that equivalent varies. So, for example, one French ration is worth 
five American MREs. Oh, like on the black market? like Yeah, like if we were in a lunchroom we situation in, okay. and you've got some gushers and I have, I don't know, sad chips. I, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, that, I just revealed I really like gushers. Not, not everyone would agree with that. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, this is why trading can happen. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, I read a piece for Vice's Munchies division by one David Whelan, who was reporting on what does appear in several different countries, MREs, or did as of 2016-ish. The French one was by far the most fancy. Um, They had uh, duck confit, deer pâté, and snacks like chocolate yogurt in theirs. Duck confit. I know. (laughs) I'm not sure how they did it. It's impressive. (laughs) Um, In the U.S., the main dishes are still mostly Italian, perhaps because tomato-based sauces are acidic enough to um, to, to really help along the preservation process. Um, snacks include stuff like cheese, spicy Cheez-Its. Spicy Cheez-Its. Specifically. specifically. I like Spice that. is an important thing. Oh, it realize. is. Yeah. We'll come back to that. Um, blueberry cobbler, bread, peanut butter, and caffeine-infused beef jerky. Interesting. I agree. <laughs> Uh, Britain's mains include the aforementioned clam chowder and chicken tikka masala, plus extras like Thai-Fu tea and breath mints. Thai-Fu tea? Yeah. Oh, one of my favorite, one of my favorite brands. So good. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Norway's dishes include muesli and a range of stews, uh, cod, beef, and chicken, plus fruit gummies for dessert. All right. They're with you on the Gushers <laughs> the thing. The Gushers thing. Uh-huh. Um... Whelan reports that Italy's packs range more Frenchish uh, than Italianish in flavors and stuff. He didn't include any um, any specifics, but he did say that they include a forty percent alcohol breakfast shot. Oh, a breakfast shot! <laughs> it's a breakfast shot. <laughs> yeah. Well, sure. 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 <laughs> uh, Colombia's got a lot of rice and beans dishes, and um, this warm sweet cheese drink, which sounds like a like a warm ricotta milkshake to me. I don't mm. know. It sounds really good. Yeah. He didn't seem too sure about it, but I was like, yes, warm cheese drink. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. And now. <laughs> South Korea includes bibimbap and kimchi in their rations. And Japan reportedly has hamburgers, hot dogs, and a range of curries with pound cake for dessert. Wow. I wouldn't have pegged that. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a weird, weird American uh, Americanization over there. Hmm. And MRE superstition. 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 Every now and then, Charms Candy appears in an MRE. Oh. And the superstition goes that this is very bad luck. Oh. And eating it is even worse luck. Oh. The candy is usually tossed, even if the soldier who received it doesn't buy into it because other soldiers around him or her might. Sure. Mm Mm-hmm. Don't want that. No. No, not at all. Um, those soldiers often call MREs meals rejected by everyone, meals resembling edibles, meals refused by the enemy, or meals rarely edible. They have come a long way. As part of what I hope is like a larger movement to acknowledge that service members are people with psychological wants and needs, um, a lot of research has been done into how to make rations not just nutritionally adequate, but sensorily acceptable, or even better, especially over time, given that the range of what someone finds acceptable on day like three is a lot wider than what they'll find acceptable on week three. And that is a science fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and from a practical standpoint, I mean, if people don't like the food, they might not eat it and their performance capacity and morale will decrease. But stuff like flavor preferences is being explored now. It's a, it's a really interesting intersection of, of science and technology and psychology. 
Absolutely. We'll get into the history, but first we have a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. What rations to give soldiers has been a problem throughout our history? I feel like it comes up in every... Other yeah. episode that we do. Uh-huh. And also, what we have given soldiers, especially in our more modern history, has gone on to shape food landscapes of civilians like Spam, Kraft, Kraft cheese, Vegemite, chocolate chip cookies, MMs. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Long before that, though, as long as there have been soldiers, we've had to come up with ways to feed them. There's a saying often misattributed to either Napoleon or Frederick the Great um, an army like a serpent goes on its belly. Both did say wise and similar things about food being important for armies, but I think a clever writer came up with that particular maxim. And hat tip to a quoteinvestigator.com for investigating it. Roman armies hunted whatever they could. Um, Some records suggest that soldiers were given rations up to a pound of meat a day. If true, that suggests that they would travel with massive herds of sheeps. Sheeps. Sheeps, sure. Yes, or pigs. We've talked about various foods like garlic or wine or springs of water that were believed to endow strength and or determined where armies would camp. Mm -hmm. Widely viewed as the first permanent professional army, the rations of the Roman legionnaires consisted of two pounds of bread along with meat, olive oil, and wine. Ancient Egyptian soldiers described rations as, quote, meager and unpleasant. 
Spartan soldiers sometimes subsisted off of something called black broth, which was boiled pig's legs, blood, and vinegar. Hmm. Medieval soldiers received salted fish, beer or wine, stew, and bread. During the Crusades, Crusaders sometimes lost battles because they'd stop to eat once arriving to a Muslim camp. Christian soldiers typically had a supply of grains and dried meat. Anything else, like cheese or dried fruits and vegetables, they bought themselves locally. On top of that, during the First Crusades, soldiers had to provide for themselves, which meant a lot of them had to mortgage their property or sell their belongings. So, yeah, I'm sure they were hungry. Yeah. Um, That did change with deals between merchants and military fleets. But let's talk about the army of Genghis Khan. Let's. Yes. During the 13th century, the Mongols similarly couldn't carry much with them. And what they did carry, they brought from home. A lot of their sustenance, like wine, they got locally. They, too, brought herds of livestock, like sheep and cows, with them as they traveled. And they supplemented this with cured meat, mare's milk, both fresh and fermented, dried cheese curd, and they would hunt when necessary. Jumping ahead to the 17th century and the Ottoman Empire, the Janissaries, the Sultan's foot soldiers, had a better deal. Their rations included fresh bread or biscuits, a daily ration of meat, usually lamb or mutton, as well as bulgur, rice, honey, and coffee, and barley for horses. Records show that 105 ovens in Istanbul were dedicated to baking biscuits for the soldiers. Apparently, some folks accused bakers of keeping the flour for themselves, replacing it with dirt in their biscuit baking, which resulted in the deaths of several soldiers. Oh, no. I know. One story goes that baguettes, the shape particularly, were developed so that soldiers could transport them along the legs of their (laughs) pants. Worth further research. (laughs) Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Feeding soldiers was a major headache for George Washington and other officials during the American Revolutionary War. Since Congress couldn't really tax people at the time, they didn't have any money to buy rations for soldiers. On top of that, they were dogged by transportation difficulties. This meant soldiers sometimes would go without food for days. And when they did have food, it was frequently wheat and some meat that often had gone bad. Congress did pass uniform rations in 1775, one pound of beef or salted fish or three-fourth pound of pork, one pint of milk, one pint of spruce beer. This was to combat scurvy or cider, um, some molasses, and one pound of bread or flour a day. Per week, one pint of rice and three pounds of beans or peas. Some soldiers received four ounces of rum for their rations. (laughs) However, this didn't happen all the time. Um, They put the rules in place, but that didn't mean their troubles went away. Sure. Uh, Washington ignored Congress's suggestion that they take stuff from colonists in a version of a IOU. (laughs) He didn't think it would endear them to anyone when they're trying to form a new country. Oh, yeah. No, I I can see that. Yes. Yes. Also, this is a popular, well, not, I don't know. It's a, in a Hamilton song is what I was trying to say, this whole struggle <laughs> with feeding the soldiers. Ah. Yeah. During the War of 1812, soldiers started planting gardens at military bases and outposts. And I know what you're thinking. What about Napoleon? <laughs> well, we'll tell you. The rations allotted to his army were one half pound of meat, 24 ounces of bread, up to two ounces dried peas or lentils, a quart of wine, equal amounts brandy and vinegar. But that, too, rarely happened. They frequently resorted to potatoes and corn, which were pretty much ready to eat, though not very tasty, straight out of the ground. Oof. 
1861 Military Handbook and Soldier's Manual of Information provided information on cooking large amounts of food for soldiers stationed at forts. Rations for Union soldiers during the American Civil War included three-fourth pounds of meat, a pound of either cornmeal or wheat, some vegetables, vinegar, and molasses. This didn't last too long, though. Hardtack biscuits, dried meat, and vegetables became more the norm. Coffee, which uh, was replaced by rum um, in some cases, as we discussed in a past episode, coffee became extremely difficult to procure, especially in the South. Oh, yeah. Um, As they marched south, they got some crops locally, and they also received care packages from home. Yeah, coffee around this time, there was a whole thing of of people trying to figure out how to technologically produce coffee that soldiers could take with them. Uh, uh, You know, we didn't have freeze drying yet, so some kind of preservation of some kind of coffee concentrate, uh, purportedly the very worst tasting coffee that anyone has ever had. Um, Ooh. I know. I've had some bad coffee. That, I know, me too. I'm like, really? Oh, Have you no. been to England? Like, <laughs> burn sorry. England. Even though we usually get, America usually gets burned pretty good. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've also, uh, sure, yes. Um, <laughs> there, There is a quote from a uh, from a French marshal, um, McMahon, uh, I think. It might also be misattributed. Um, what vast events depend upon an army's not going into action before it has had its coffee. Ooh, shaping the future, mm-hmm. the trajectory of nations yeah. and countries. Right? Well, anyway. Uh, yes, anyway. 1907 was the year we saw the first industrialized ration, the iron ration. Three ounces of beefcake, some chocolate, and salt and pepper. Canned foods used for rations made their first appearance in the Spanish-American War in 1898, but... There were problems. Due to improper sealing, the foods frequently spoiled. We also talked about this in our canned food episode um, and how Napoleon and his need to feed his soldiers pushed along this innovation. Mm-hmm. By World War I, the canned food situation was much improved. Canned meats and vegetables, crackers, the soldiers dubbed dog biscuits. Soldiers in the trench might receive hot meals made in the field and transported to them via these big milk cans suspended on a pole between two soldiers. They got tobacco and half a pound of candy every 10 days. World War II soldiers got one of two types of rations. Combat troops got conveniently named sea rations, ration combat individual, and the lighter, more easily transportable K rations originally designed for paratroopers. Sea rations had six containers per crate and two units, the B unit and the M unit. The B unit okay. consisted of things like bread, sugar, and coffee, while the M unit consisted of 11 different meat and vegetable options. An example of what you'd find in there, canned fruit, frankenbeans, instant coffee, chocolate slash fudge, processed cheese, crackers, chewing gum, toilet paper, and cigarettes, and a matchbox. Mm-hmm. And a can opener. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we talked about that in our can opener episode as well. Mm-hmm. Um, these were designed to deliver 3,600 calories, and pretty much everyone hated them. Um, throwback to our spam episode. Mm-hmm. Lots of throwbacks in this one. <laughs> yeah. Like we said, it, it has impacted a lot. As the war raged on, soldiers sometimes would get things like bouillon, powdered lemon, sweetened cocoa, a wooden spoon. Mm-hmm. There was also the A ration, which were like the choice A-plus rations. <laughs> they were fresh, refrigerated, or frozen foods. And B ration foods, packaged foods prepared in the mess hall or field kitchens. 
of that commercial candy, a popular option was M&M's packaged in cardboard tubes. According to the M&M's website, Forrest Mars Sr., yeah, that Mars. That Mars. Got the idea for M&M's after witnessing soldiers during the Spanish Civil War eating pieces of chocolate coated with a hard coat to, of sugar to prevent melting. M&M's are still popular in rations, as are Skittles. Hmm. Then we see the MCI, Meals Combat Individual, or Sea Rats, as the rations for American soldiers from 1958 to 1981. And this was a cardboard box of 1,200 calories composed of things like canned meat, canned bread, more often crackers or biscuits, Mm -hmm. and canned dessert, like applesauce or peaches. Lots of cans. Oh, yeah. And these cans weren't the easiest to carry around, so soldiers would frequently take apart the box and put the cans in their socks, which they would then hang from their pecs. To cook meals, some soldiers punched a hole in their canned foods and heated it with C4. Ah! Ah, indeed! <laughs> oh, um, yeah, there, there were main courses like ham and eggs, the aforementioned beans and franks, and permutations of spam. That sounds like a modern art piece. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it does, and I want it. The folks at Mickelhenny sent soldiers many bottles of Tabasco with recipe books to soldiers. Tabasco became so popular that British ration packs sometimes contain it today. Wow, yeah. Mm-hmm. In 1964, the discovery of new freeze-drying techniques led to the creation of Food Packet Long Range Patrol, the LRP. And these were used for longer missions and referred to freeze-dried entrees that were pre-cooked and could be reconstituted in the field. They were expensive, however, and did not stick around long. So they needed a replacement, and the U.S. government tapped civilian scientist Dr. Abdul Rahman to come up with one. And what he came up with was an easily transportable, flexible pouch filled with a dehydrated, complete meal, the MRE. He was recognized with the Meritorious Civilian Service Award. The U.S. Department of Defense instituted the MRE as official combat rations in 1975, with the large-scale production getting underway a couple of years later in 1978, and delivery of MRE-1 began in 1981. Then they started field testing in 1983, and the consensus among soldiers consuming three MREs a day was basically, eh, they're fine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but they ate only around 60% of the calories, which, mm. like you said, Lauren, is a problem. Yeah. But when they redid the survey on the same division, so same soldiers thereabouts, in ni- 1986, they found that MREs were more highly rated and more highly consumed. Frankfurters, however, were called the four fingers of death. Yeah, they came in little f- four little links per package. Four fingers of death. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless... The DOD did make a lot of changes with the 1988 batches of MREs packaged as MRE-18. Serving sizes rose from 5 ounces to 8 ounces. 9 of 12 entrees changed. Commercial candies and hot sauces, very key, were added to four menus each. And bases for cold beverages added to all 12. In the early days of Operation Desert Storm, more changes were made based on soldier feedback. MRE-10 replaced the old sprayed dried coffee with freeze-dried coffee, hot sauce was added to all 12 options, (laughs) and commercial candy was added to an additional four options, totaling eight. They also swapped out dehydrated fruit with wet-pack fruit. 
these MREs were designed to be stored for up to three years at up to 80 degrees Fahrenheit, that's around 27 Celsius, without going bad. And yes, could be parachuted in. Now, officials only meant for soldiers to eat MREs for 10 days during Operation Desert Storm, but some soldiers ended up eating them for over 60 days. As a result, three changes were quickly put into place. Shelf-stable bread in an MRE pouch, a high-heat-stable chocolate bar that could survive the desert heat. Other attempts had unsuccessfully produced an undesirable product, like very waxy. Mm-hmm. Um, and a flameless ration heater, the, the FRH, as a way to warm up entrees. FRHs are banned on commercial flights, by the way. Oh, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Hershey's released their version of this chocolate, this kind of newly designed heat-resistant chocolate, Desert bars during the Gulf War. It's very tricky because you want to say dessert. dessert. That's not. Nope. Yeah. In fact, in fact, Google is saying that we have misspelled <gasps> that word right now. Nice. I know. That uh, flameless ration heater, by the way, works uh, via chemical reaction. It's a pouch of magnesium and salt, and you just pour in a little bit of water, and, and it creates a chemical reaction that heats the bag by 100 degrees Fahrenheit within minutes. Uh, yeah, you just place whatever packet you're heating on top of the heat bag. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Apparently, after the main part of the Gulf War, Colin Powell, then the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, took up the cause of better MREs personally. Over the next few years, policies were adopted like switching out two menus a year. Some entrees were changed out. Chocolate and coffee were improved. In early 1994, they put into place three more changes. I love this rule of threes that's happening here. Uh First, commercial graphics on the packaging after studies showed that it meant higher rates of acceptance and consumption. Okay. The packaging was also made easier to open. Biodegradable spoons were added, and they were elongated to make them easier to use. They also introduced these drink sachets that could potentially remove the need for service members to carry cups. Um, the, the packet just contains the flavoring. You add water, and you can drink right out of the pack. A little Capri Sun sort of thing going yeah. on there, kind of, sort of. To keep things from getting monotonous, they increased menu options up to 24, now with four vegetarian options and kosher and halal options. 70 new items have been approved for improvement and 14 of the least accepted replaced. Mm -hmm. And progress continues. In the early 2000s, research began in earnest to improve the sterilization process that's used to make MREs shelf-stable. Up until that point, thermal processing was the standard. Uh, It's similar to canning and means that whatever you put in MREs has to be pretty hearty and like maybe a little bit goopy and acidic. There tends to be a high moisture level. Um, The new process, though, uh, microwave-assisted thermal sterilization, allows for lots of more delicate foods to be preserved, um, dairy products, whole meats like chicken breasts or fish, and fresh-like vegetables. I'm still not entirely sure what Mm fresh-like means. But, Mm. uh, yeah, this also allows them to add in some nutrient boosters, like um, a lemon pound cake fortified with omega-3 fatty acids that wouldn't survive the other process. However, it does require different packaging. Uh, the current foil packs that the food is sterilized in cannot be microwaved because foil plus right. microwaves sparks. <laughs> yes. And perhaps the pinnacle of this, throughout the 20 teens, uh, researchers have been working on an MRE pizza that can keep up for, for up to three years and apparently tastes like the cold pizza that so many of us have enjoyed for breakfast. Oh, yes. I'm not sure if they actually have come out with it yet. They're, they're, I mean, they keep saying like, oh, in another six months, oh, it's going to be in 2018. It's now 2019. I haven't read anything about it actually being released. I think it was a pepperoni and cheese pizza 
or something thereabouts. But mm-hmm. it reminds me of the 30 Rock episode where Matt Damon was the pilot and he kept saying, We'll take off and it's a 30 minute oh. delay because people <laughs> will accept a 30 minute delay. But then it was like hours oh. long because they've been trying to get pizza. We talked about that in our space food episode. Oh, yeah, for ever. Ever. Since pizza has been part of the American <laughs> culinary environment. Right. We've been trying to get it into rations. Mm hmm. <laughs> um, so if, if, if anyone has an update on that, let me know. I couldn't find anything more recent than, um, than early 2018. And uh, yeah, more more research. They're currently looking into how MRE foods impact our gut microbiome, which in turn impacts a lot of factors in our health. There are civilian equivalents to MREs as well for things like camping, and they are <laughs> considerably better quality because they don't have to. They don't have the same restrictions. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's illegal to sell military grade MREs to civilians in retail shops. In the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina's destruction, there was a push to work on ready-to-eat meals for civilians. There are also MREs designed specifically for emergencies at medical facilities. During emergencies where FEMA is called in, uh, those civilian kit producers switch over to producing exclusively for disaster relief until the need is met. And, uh, yeah, that's about what we have to say about MREs. I do want to recommend some further listening for y'all, um, the Sporkful podcast did a great episode interviewing veterans about eating while deployed back in December of 2012. And Gastropod actually went inside Natick's labs in March of 2018. So check out those two episodes. They're really good. Yeah, yeah. There is a lot a lot to say about the MRE. Oh, yeah. Many, many opinions <laughs> are <Yes>. out there. <laughs> yes. And, and yeah, all of those great technologies will we'll have to... Uh, there there were a few rabbit holes that I was like, streamline, streamline. <laughs> um, the coffee thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Coffee episode. Oh, it's it's coming. Eventually. It's sad and it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But for now. Yeah. We have arrived at the end of this episode, but we do have a little bit more for you. We do, but first we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressings, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. 
I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with <gasps> Listener Mail. M R E. Yeah. No, it's true. <laughs> I'm with you. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I'm always with you. Oh, I'm always with you. Aw. Oh, podcast team forever. <laughs> Samantha wrote, I'm writing to tell you about what is undoubtedly the best complimentary bar snack I have had, and it's right in my hometown. Ooh. The complimentary snack is, drumroll please, a bucket of bacon. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Every Thursday at a place called the Bog Pub is Bacon Thursday. Bacon Thursday. You sit down and they give you a little metal bucket of delicious crisp bacon. My mother has always said how great the restaurant was, but when she told me about this extra perk, I thought, what? <laughs> Free bacon? Every Thursday? Surely it can't be. So I went to the bog, sat at the bar, and almost immediately the bartender plopped a little bucket of bacon in front of me and asked what I was having. <laughs> this may or may not be part of the reason the Bog Pub is my favorite restaurant in town. If you ever come to Cape Cod, maybe visit for an episode on Cape Cod potato chips. I highly suggest visiting Thursday or otherwise. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That sounds fabulous. There, there is a place in town, Leon's, that at least used to have on their menu on their, like, like small bites. Yeah. Like, not even appetizers, like pre-appetizer bites. Uh, you could just get a little bucket of bacon. Mm-hmm. Um, and for an extra, like, buck, you could get a sidecar of peanut butter to dip it into. What? I know, dude. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not sure. I must go now. <laughs> When do they open? (laughs) Weekend plans canceled. Yes. Clear my schedule. (laughs) I'll just be there enjoying this every time I get hungry over a course of several hours. That sounds amazing. No, but but Bacon Thursday. Oh, Mm -hmm. goodness. Tai Chi wrote, I just listened to the Bar Snacks episode, and I was reminded of happy hour Bar Snacks at Morton's Steakhouse and had to share. I don't think they did this at all locations, but they actually used to have free filet sliders at the bar. To make sure I wasn't remembering incorrectly, since people I asked around me had no recollection of this, I tried searching for mentions of it on the internet and found this from Seattle. And it was proof. It was proof. of the, It was in a happy hour guide. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely one of the best Bar Snacks I've had for the value. Goodness, I bet. I know. Oh. That sounds amazing, too. I know. I'm not even hungry, and I'm hungry. Oh, gosh. A lot of you have written in with um, bar snacks that I have found very unique and um, hunger-inspiring. And we'll probably be hearing more from those listeners in this listener mail section about those things. In the it's, future. It's all yes. there. It's <laughs> all convoluted, but it was in there. It was. It was. It was a sentence eventually. <laughs> it was. I had dreams and hopes. You, you just kept believing in it. I, I did. And it came to fruition. It did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we do have some announcements as well. Absolutely. Uh, 
as of the day that this episode comes out, we are, well, maybe mostly Annie, but but me as well, too, are headed to the Atlanta Food and Wine Festival. Yes. Yes. It is a uh, fabulous celebration of everything that chefs around Atlanta and the South in general and bartenders and other food-related humans are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's demonstrations. There, The food tasting tents are overwhelming and wonderful. Yes. Uh, Be in my hunt for as many koozies as I can. Uh, Last year I got 67. I don't think I can top it. I um, look forward to hearing. <laughs> Uh, all kinds of beverage vendors, uh, mm. drink responsibly. I did not one of the days last year. <laughs> well, it is a, it's a long, you're in it for the long haul. You do. You, you are. Yes. Um, and it takes place all weekend long, starting on May 31st. There is an event um, the Thursday night before that is also very wonderful, Ooh, too. Cool. So if you're around, if you want to, you know, meet up, check it out. It's there and it's fun and we recommend it. Yeah. We will be there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Keep an an eye out for us if you see someone with like 50 plus koozies. (laughs) I don't want any judgment. I only want help. (laughs) Help finding the koozies. (laughs) Not professional help for my koozie problem. Um, uh, let's see what else is going on. We're going to Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, like I'll, right after that. Like immediately, yeah, like that Sunday, um, we're, we're going to be there for, for a couple of weeks. We're, we're bringing super producers Andrew and Dylan with us. We're going to interview a whole bunch of cool people about cool stuff. If you have any specific recommendations, we would love to hear them. Yes. And that means, since we will be gone for two weeks, oh. um, you will be hearing... Um, some classics. We might do some classic episodes. Yeah, or uh, show off some of the some of the interviews that we got to do on our previous trips that we never got to share with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So hopefully you won't hate those. <laughs> oh, they'll love them. They'll they'll be like, get these people a podcast. We're like we agree. Yeah. <laughs> we also would like a podcast. <laughs> anyway, um, in the meantime, thanks to. Both of these listeners for writing to us. Oh, yeah. You too can write to us. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. And we are on social media. You can find us there on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We are at saverpod. We do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thank you, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! If you are happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. 
Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.